to chat about what it's like to be an ant. Those who ant. Those who ant. Hello, and thank you for listening to Those Who Ant, the podcast to help you look at the world through ant-colored glasses. I am Auntie Mags. I'm Aunt Pat. And, uh, and boy, we're, we're so happy to be here. Pat, what are you doing? What's going on with you this week? I got really upset because I got news uh, from the internet. I got news from the internet. We, now, we did talk about how much you know, time you're allowed to spend on the internet. but what, This was brief. What did you see? They discontinued. Now, I'm no longer on this, but they discontinued the birth control I had been on for many years. It's gone. Which one was it? Ortho-tricycline low? Low. Now, I'm not on it anymore because it's, it would be like, um, it would be like, um, what's a good metaphor here? It would be like uh, washing a car that you don't have. Yeah, I was going to say somebody who lives in the desert buying a rain slicker. Yeah. No, I like yours better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at any rate, I found out they stopped making it abruptly and I thought, oh, God, that it was like an old friend had passed. It was like reading an obituary for my younger self. You know, when I started taking uh, that, I was on that one. Uh, I think, believe that was the first one I did. And it was so popular. All the rage. And I, I started that one. Uh, we talked about this with Aunt Toots, I think, right? Because we went through a little brief history of, of yes and all, all that stuff. But orthotricycline, I started taking that one two weeks before my cousin Stacy's wedding, and I barely fit into the dress. My boobs got humongous. My hips got humongous. And it was a two-week, I went from a C to a double D. And I always like, oh, my God, I ruined my cousin's wedding. I almost had to wear two pairs of uh, uh, pantyhose because I was like, oh, somebody's got to wedge me into the stress. How is this going to work? Now, when I look back at those pictures, you know, in the moment, you're like, oh, I don't look good. My body, blah, blah, blah. I hate it. But now when I look back, I'm like, I was stacked like a brick shit house, and I look so good. And I wish I could go back and tell myself, like, hey, you're wasting this body on the person you're dating right now. Well, that is the truth. You know, when you can go back and look at things, you know, sometimes I go back and I look at pictures and I think how much, you know, I thought, oh, God, you trash bag. And then I look back now and I see myself and I think, oh, God, well, you were the prettiest trash bag. I mean, it's always been a bit of a a heap and a mess. But, you know, is that not the truth? The older you get, the more you're like, oh, what I wouldn't give for looking like that specific brand of trash earlier. Well, listen here. I think you uh, call me a trash bag because I am glad that you're in my life. And I'm hefty. (laughs) Full stop. Now, I won't do that because we're doing nice things. I'm, um, what would you, what's another one? Glad, hefty. Is that all we have? Seventh generation. I'm seven. All seven generations, if I had kids, would know, uh, have love in their heart for you, Mags. That's, and that's the truth. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I will say that hefty joke made me laugh, but this is a body positive podcast and I will not let you talk about yourself like that. Well, hefty, you know, hefty doesn't have to mean anything bad. You know, remember the song? I'm hefty, hefty, hefty. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, just take the first part. I wish I could just run out of my house and say, I'm hefty, hefty, hefty. I think that's fun. That feels empowering for me. And I think hefty has a negative connotation just because of the way of Western culture. There's nothing wrong with being hefty. Why don't you go out of your house and do that? You could do that. And I don't think, don't, if your mail carrier is there, don't do it. Well, she's been avoiding me. She's been leaving my mail at the curb. So draw your own conclusions. I, I... I, I don't have to jump to too many conclusions. I, I think we know why that's happening. Yeah, she's mad. 
Maybe leave her a note. Maybe just say like, hey, I'm sorry. You are fully capable of doing this job. I won't try and help you again. I left a crumb cake on the curb where she was leaving my mail, but the birds got it. Did you cover it? Yeah, it was covered. But these birds, what is going on? They have been empowered by this whole pandemic. I tell you what, they are pecking through. I'm worried. I would run out of my house screaming my song, but I'm also a little bit nervous about these birds. Maybe it's just in my neighborhood. Maybe I've been putting out too many things. I have been feeding them. All right. Okay. I can see it now. It's me. Yeah. Well, you're a regular, uh, what's the name? Tippy Hedren, right? Is that her from Birds? Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Look at you. Look at yeah. You. I, I'm not exactly sure what you mean, but I believe your intent. I think, I think the intent of that was you're afraid of birds, but you know, I, I want to say, I, I'm glad that you, uh, are limiting your news. I'm sorry to hear about your birth control. You know, when things get discontinued, it, it, it is life-changing. I will say that. And there, I know, for example, there was a, a flavor. It was chocolate mint bubblicious, and it was canceled, you know, right in the middle of my softball days. And that, I took a hit. I took an emotional hit. It was a delicious gum. It was chocolate mint. Used to play, used to have that Gatorade gum also canceled. So sometimes when things get removed from our lives, you know, was sad about it. I want to tell you right now, there's two people I never want to be removed from, and that's our guest today. And was that a long walk? Sure. But were you with me? Absolutely. So ladies and gentlemen, mostly ladies, but however you identify, please welcome to the podcast, Uncle Maury and Aunt Fanny. Maury and Fanny, welcome. Oh my God, it's so good to see you. Hello. <laughs> oh my God. What a sight for sore eyes. I've had to look at this, put him oh, for so come long. On now. <laughs> All I see is come this face. Now. now I see your faces. I couldn't be happier. With your eyes, you're lucky you can see anything. He's right. I can barely see anything. I'm legally blind. That is fun about you, that you're legally blind, because I didn't even know you could be not le- illegally blind. Blind. I misspoke. I am actually illegally blind. That's true. Oh. This is under the radar. Nobody knows it. Shush, don't tell anybody. I think it's illegally blind because she still drives. I think that's it. I do still drive. I feel like I have a, a second sense about driving. Like uh, like I, uh, like I have a force field that surrounds me. And I just know when I'm about to hit something. I think that's just the car and you hear things hitting it. I think you might be right. I do hear a lot of things hitting it. But I, you know, I always thought it's him just driving along and just hitting the the roof with his hand. So he thinks I'm hitting something. Turns out sometimes it's an actual thing. I've learned to embrace it. It's kind of an adventure to go out and see what new shape the car is in. It's like topiary with the car. A thing that I love about the two of you is that Uh, You know, Maury, you would never say, hey, let me drive. You just let it go. I I am so aggro behind the wheel. That's the one place I should not be. Aggro is a, 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 my niece taught me the word aggro. Yeah, listen to him. He's learning a lot for the younger generation. LOL. Oh my God. Look at him. He went there. But I should not drive. I get, it's it's not good for my personality. You know, I I have... I have to say about you saying you still drive, maybe you shouldn't because you can't see anything and you're a danger to yourself and others. But they will have to remove my driver's license uh, or my car from from my corpse, because if if someone thinks they're going to take my car away, 
I would rather actually be dead. Where, how will I get anywhere? I will just rot in my own home. I, I, I just want to say, I'm trying to say what I'm trying to say is good for you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I feel the same. They're not going to take my car away from me. I need to get somewhere and I need to go when I need to go the way I need to go. But I want to say you're much more than your ability to drive. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, if that does go away, knock wood. Is that what you do? Do you knock wood? Yeah. Are you flirting with her? No, I'm just saying she shouldn't kill herself if she can't drive. Is that wrong? No, you're right. Don't kill yourself if you can't drive. You can always get an Uber. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I have the app on my phone, but I feel like I'm going to press something. Someone's going to come to my house. They'll know where I live. I'm going to say something in jest in the car. They're going to come and kill me. They'll come to my house and they'll murder me in my sleep because I said something like, oh, uh, the oh, God, something like, um, you know, we should have done um, metric. And there'll be, you know, something like a... Yeah, a real, uh, you know, uh, what do we use? What's our thing? Uh, I don't know what they call regular. It. Regular. They're a big regular head, and I say, "Oh, I wish we'd gone to metric." And then before I know it, I'm dead asleep, and they're choking me. Two things to you, Pat. One, I think they just take a star away from you if they're mad at you. Uh, and two, do you get in a lot of metric fights? She's constantly. Do you know how many times on vacation I've been like, "Leave it be." Leave it be. People, listen, people are going to want to do, you, if you want to use centimeters or whatever, you do that. You do that. That's okay. But that's a personal choice, I think, for people. Well, that's, that. I will say, I like traveling outside of the United States. I don't get to do it very often. But when I do, I'm so grateful for a sane measurement being, everything makes sense here. It's, oh, give me a tablespoon of an inch of this or that. You know what? None of it makes sense. My brain works better in metrics. And you know, I will say, what is a place that used the, uses the metric system? The Bahamas. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. Uh, that, that's where, wasn't the restaurant where you could order steak by the inch? They ask you, how, what do you want? You want a T-bone? You choose, you know, T-bone, a ribeye, and then how many inches do you want? And I said, convert it to centimeters before I lose my mind. Cause that was like an American steakhouse that we accidentally went to and they thought they were being cute by using the regular system. And I thought I cannot, and I will not. You know, speaking of the metric, I just thought of this and I know, I know that, uh, what's that? Uh, Mary Poppins is not a documentary, but he says he knows that. It's I not. know that but he keeps reminding himself because occasionally He's looking out the window, looking up at the sky to see if she's coming down our chimney and we don't even have a chimney. Fair. But the point I was going to make was that's in the UK, which is metric, but they sing a spoonful of sugar, which is not metric. They have spoons in the the UK. Oh, you're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. This is exactly my argument. If there wasn't, if we were all on metric, no one would be confused. Are there spoons in other countries? How much is this and how much is that? Now you've got to question everything. If it's not an inch, what else is it? Do we call that a drawer? Does it fit things in it? I don't know. Also, you know, they call elevators lifts. What's yeah. that about? That's a car company. So it's like, what is it? Wow. You know. But, you know, this conversation reminds me of the day 
that the four of us met. Because, well, why don't you guys tell, you know, for those of you who don't know how we met, uh, which I don't know why anybody would, but uh, why don't you guys explain how we met? It's one of my favorites, honestly. Well, we were taking uh, a third honeymoon trip down to the Bahamas, and uh, we got on the plane. I had driven to the airport. Which was a problem. It's always a problem. So I was, I had my anger up and unreasonable, and we got in a fight. We sometimes fight. We're passionate people. We love each other, but we fight. Uh, We got in an argument that got heated on the plane. And you two were sitting across from us, and uh, we were I was filming your argument in case it escalated, and I needed to put it on the internet. I appreciated that. Were you afraid of of me hurting her? Because I would never do that. Oh, no, I was fearful for your life, uh, Maury, because she had a look in her eyes that I've only seen before on a nature documentary where um, a snake eats a, eats a bird. And I thought, oh, God, I've seen this before. Yeah. And, and you were right to think that because I was really, you know how you got the thermometer, the body thermometer? I was already up to here. I'm pointing to over my head already. Yeah, I think that is astute and the more likely outcome, I will be the one to die from violence in our marriage. I think that there was something, you know, first of all, that video didn't end up being recorded because she uh, hit record and it was on the, the, the front facing camera. So she it's just a video of her watching the two of you fight. I mean, you can you can hear a little bit of it. And then, she, you know, that sounds better. That sounds artsy. Well, that is true. It's like, you know, the the, the auteur, you know, but um, the the thing about, you know, the two of you and, and your dynamic is, we're, you know, we're sitting on the plane. We're fortunate enough, we know this now, to be to be seated right across from you. The two of us are trying to figure out, you know, what, what was the what was a crossword? I don't remember the word was. Two of us doing a, doing the, the crossword test. We had just finished the Mensa quiz. And, you know, so we're having a blast over here. We're having a laugh at ourselves and, and, and you know, our mental abilities. And then, you know, Pat's like, oh, my God, listen, listen to this. And, uh, and so I, we, we got real quiet. We turn over and we're like, listen to the two of them. So then, you know, what are, we, what are you supposed to do? What you did was beautiful. Uh, I think it was Pat. You volunteered to switch, to separate us, uh, to give us time to cool out. And we still, we still tried to go at it over the two of you. Yes, across the aisle. We argued across the aisle. We argued around the, uh, the flight attendants. You reached across the aisle like like they try to do bipartisan stuff, but you were reaching to scratch each other. That's right. So you got between us and you ended up therapizing. Is that a word? You just made it up, but it worked for me. Oh. Good. It's good. You ended up talking us out of our argument and talking us into this friendship, and we thank you. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that, that Pat and I pride ourselves on is the ability to divide and conquer. And so that was very much our attitude going in, which was like, all right, you know what? You take one, I'll take the other, and let's just talk them through this. Because we could tell. Yeah, that was like kind of a little bit of a crazed look in your eye, fan, but but the, but it was still a look of love. And if anything, it would have been a crime of passion and not a crime of ill intent. So I would only kill because I love him so much. Yeah. And that's, I think, way more understandable. I think if you're going to do a crime, it should be a crime of passion. Yeah. Why bother otherwise? A crime of ennui? Who cares? Right. And, you know, 
we've we've talked about this at great length because Pat's a big fan of, of Josh Mankiewicz, and we watch a lot of Datelines, we watch a lot of murder shows, we do love it, and always the best ones are the ones where somebody just, you know, well, snapped. And I think we were, you know, trying real hard to prevent that from happening. And you did, you succeeded. I really appreciated that you massaged my hand. I don't think I've gotten a hand massage like that, even from a, a manicurist. People don't understand how much tension you're holding in the palm of your hand. And so when you do it, the thing about hand massage is when you do it, and I know I was like, hey, listen, I know you don't know me. Let me, let me touch you. But, and you, thankfully, you did. And But the thing is, you know, there's so many pressure points and so many little muscles in here. And when you do one hand, immediately you can feel how tense the other one is. But when you don't do them, you can feel, you don't feel nothing. But when you do one and not the other, you're like, oh, my God, how do I walk around like this? Do you remember I asked you? I said, well, that feels so good. Here's my other hand. Will you please massage this? Absolutely. You know, you'd, th- you'd think... Um... You'd think that hand jobs would be more fun because of all, like, what you just said, Megs. You know, that hand jobs would be like, oh, I got all these uh, receptacles in my hand. You know, that, that I would be like, oh, this is, this is a treat. It's really not. No. And my thing about, you know, sorry if my niece is listening to this or my nieces and nephews. Sorry about this. But my thing about hand jobs is, like, I'm not going to do something to you. You could just do it yourself. Get it over with. That's a waste of my time. You know, that's a, an utter waste of my time. It's one thing if it's like you're trying to sneak something and it's fine. That's great. But for the most part, if it's just the two of us in there, well, when was the last time I was with a man? But you understand. It's like, well, do it yourself. And then I met a man who had no hands and I gave in and gave that man a hand job. That's, that's a pillow. That's a fun pillow that I could get behind. Because if I, if I met a man who was kind, had no hands, I, I, I would feel excited. Uh, I remember uh, long before I ever met Maury, before we were even dating, and I was dating this nice young man, and we were at a party, and this nice young man turned to me, and he said, hey, you know what would be fun? Wouldn't it be fun to give me a hand job? And I looked at him, and I said, fun for who? No, it wouldn't be fun. Fun for you? What do I get out of it? What do I get? I need a tissue afterwards. How is that fun? Here's a story about Fanny. Uh, we were working on a, a skit together for our club. We were putting a skit together and I was uh, taking her through some choreography and I asked her to give me jazz hands and she thought that was hand job and she got so angry. She thought the term jazz hand was a hand job. I did and you still can't convince me it's not. Why are those hands so happy? It honestly, you know what? I, at first I thought you were going to say something else. That sounds like jazz. Jizz. Oh. Thank you. Thank you, Aunt Pat. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, no, that Because I went sense. a whole different way. I get it now. But but you didn't. You But, you but you know, why don't we call it jazz hands? That's, that's hilarious. I'm going to start doing that. It really changes show choirs, though. And that's, please, let's not, let's not muddy the waters of a, of a show choir. That's so fun and asexual. That's the way uh, on... I'm told you, on the Zoom call, that's how you applaud now is with jazz hands. With jazz hands. Well, you know, but this is, yeah, this is applause. If you're in the, in the, uh, in the deaf community, this is applause. So, yeah, that's, that's true. So maybe we shouldn't call it jazz hands because that's, I don't want to, I don't want to. By the way, if you're listening to this and you thought, does the deaf community listen to this podcast? You can see yourself out. 
now in this Zoom world where we have to uh, applaud by giving jizz hands, the problem is, you know, I have uh, group therapy online and I do that to applaud somebody who just, you know, revealed something very personal about themselves. And the leader of the group thinks I'm raising my hand because I want to say something. So then I have to backtrack and say, no, I was just giving jizz hands over this. Come in with a prepared list of uh, conversation starters, just so in case that happens and they're like, yeah, Fanny, what do you have to say? You can be like, well, I wanted to talk about the vow, you know, which I just finished, which I was disappointed in the ending of that. So we'll talk about that another day. I thought you said the vowel at first, but you were saying the vow. If I were going to talk about a vowel, it would definitely be why, because I don't make up your mind. Yeah, choose. But- well, to be fair, can we just talk about why for a second here, which is... You know, we're living in a time where we say people don't have to choose. You know, sometimes why? Actually, I have no right to say that to why. Why would I say that? I'm, you know, I'm essentially a why myself. Why don't they spell by with a why? Well, because then it would be like giving credit to people. Sure. Bisexual. It's like, (laughs) this was was bisexual. Give credit to sexual. Well, they need more credit, I think. You know, as somebody who is uh, ansexual herself, I completely agree. You know who just came out as bisexual? My friend Liana just told me this. Carol Baskin just came out as bi. And I remember saying, this is not the representation that we are talking about. And it's not the type of representation that we want or need uh, in the in the bi community. I'm not sure who that is. Is, that the, is she ice cream people? Yeah. Wait, is she what? Yeah, she married Robbins. No, 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 Pat, no. This is from Tiger King, remember? Carol Bass. <gasps> oh, right, okay. We didn't watch that. We didn't? Oh, we did. Okay, we watched that. Now, can we can we revisit this before I forget? Because I got a, basically the, the attention span of a gnat. Now, you've told us a little bit about this, but, but for those of, uh, people who are listening who don't know, you do do skits together. And these are unsolicited skits, Yes. Mostly, yes. Yes. We like to show up, especially now during COVID, when people are sitting at their restaurants and they're just, they're outside and they're eating and we feel like what they need is entertainment. And we took some improv classes at the uh, community center. And so we like to go and play games there for everybody to really uh, make sure that they have a good time. So it's like dinner theater that you didn't ask for. It really, it, it also helps me because I'm not a confident small talker. So to have an entree into meeting people, and I'll be honest, most many of the times it's off-putting, but at least I've started a conversation. Yeah, he does. It, a lot of times it really is off-putting. Like he'll walk up, he'll walk up to a stranger and he'll say, hey, why are you here? Just like that. Uh, other, it's called crowd work. Other other ways that he's tried to open up a dialogue are, you look like an idiot. I've heard him go up to people and say, you are too tall for those pants. Or what's it like to carry all that extra weight around? Not very nice things. Or, hey, you look like there's nothing going on in your head. Now that I hear it, I'm kind of an asshole. I'm going to have to own that. 
Let me ask you this. In, in these improv classes, did they tell you to come in with an insult? Or was that just your spin on it? Because I, I did, we, we, we talked about it. We, Pat and I both have taken a little, an improv class here and there. Just a you know, similar thing. Help us be better at conversation, all that stuff. It was a Groupon. Yeah, it was a Groupon. And my thing, I went in there and I said, first thing I said to the teacher was, teach me how to do a hoedown. A hoedown? Did you learn? Boy, I think I haven't done a hoedown since camp. You know, on uh, the show, on that one show on TV about improv. Yeah, the Wayne Brady Show. The Wayne Brady Show. Who's to say is the name of the show? We first tuned into that because we were hoping it was a sequel to Who's the Boss. <gasps> Which is my dream. Ugh. Ugh. Where is Tony Danza? Where is he? There is a, there's rumors that there's a reboot. Now listen, we all know I'm Italian. And go, growing up, I lost my father at a young age. Growing up. My two dads, my two TV dads were Bill Cosby, sorry about it. And Tony Danza, not sorry about it. The guy's a good guy, not like Bill Cosby. The guy's a good guy. He can tap dance. He's a renaissance man, like a less articulate Gene Kelly with less acting and singing and even, you know, kind of speaking ability. Don't mistake this for me not loving Tony Danza. I love him. You know what I really love is that you just brought up Gene Kelly, who, you know, when people talk about who's the best dancer, Fred Astaire or Gene Kelly, everybody who's such a goddamn elitist says, oh, it's Fred Astaire. He's so smooth. Well, guess what? They're wrong. It's Gene Kelly by a million percent. And that's that is not uh, European measurements. That's universal measurements. I would take jazz hands off of Gene Kelly any day. I love that you said that, Maury, because that's vulnerable. Thank you. That is vulnerable. And that shows us that you're comfortable with your sexuality. This is a sex positive podcast. You know, if you want to take jazz hands from Gene Kelly, you should get to. That's how I feel about it anyways. And I agree with you, fan, about uh, Gene Kelly versus Fred Astaire. I'm a Kelly head, you know, from the get. Always have been. I like the cat from the Paula Abdul video. MC Scat Cat, because he's a good singer and a good dancer. And I did feel attracted to him. Yeah, he was made to be very sexy, very sexual. He had sunglasses on at night. It worked. Was your first sexual crush on a cartoon character? Yeah, Mr. Bubble. Mr. Bubble? Mine was Mighty Mouse. Mine was Kazoo. Ugh, I always choose wrong. Mine was Snagglepuss. He's like a little outsider kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, very cool. Very gay. Which should go to show you, you know, I just never had gay that when it came to men. What's his his name? Yeah, it's it's a misnomer for sure. It's a mixed message for sure. I misspoke. It wasn't Mr. Bubble. It was the Kool-Aid man. Oh, sure. Oh. Through that wall? Yeah, I was just going to say, what's more sexy than a guy just bursting with excitement who only says oh yeah i mean that giant round tub that fishbowl filled with red juice plowing through a wall take me with you plow through the wall oh yeah then he grabs me and he retreats and i'm never seen again it's like shades of gray except it's pink that's one way after he goes downtown, you know, you're going to have those wings on your lips. He's going to have them. In this scenario, am I also Kool-Aid? <laughs> no. Oh, you mean when I give him jizz hands? Yeah, but then I don't, it's kind of lost. You know what? It's not the cleanest one I've done because it kind of doesn't add up. But you get what I mean. So you're going to people and doing improv at them and they don't know what's happening. Yeah. But it's 
like some of it also is prepared because you did say skits, you did say choreography, which I want to hear more about because, you know, Pat, you know, it was so similar. You could see right here, I definitely wrote down the word skit to ask about later because this is one of your strengths and we want to play to it. And by the way, if you guys want to do a skit right now, we'd love to hear it. We didn't prepare anything, but to your question, we did take improv and they didn't say to plan anything, but we figured out in that class that the way to win at improv is to plan things. Yeah. It's a and workaround. We, we hacked it. That's right. And we won every scene. I love that. I like, cause you know what? You don't want to look like a jerk. Right. You know, you got to win. Otherwise yeah. what? You lost the whole time and it was funny and people laughed at you. Ugh. If you can't declare a winner at the end, why bother? Yeah, and that's why I think, I don't know if you guys uh, uh, ever went to uh, comedy sports. You ever go there? They do it for competition. We got a group on. I yep. went there once on accident. I w- thought it was a footlocker. <laughs> it's hard. Did you, would you follow the guy in because he was wearing uh-huh. a referee shirt? Kept, when they asked for a suggestion, he kept saying, can I get some shoes? But that's a great suggestion. Yeah. Well, he never got shoes. Pat and I went there, and they made us put brown paper bags over us because you know they would they, no. they, we used our groupon and they you know can, can we have a suggestion and pat kept yelling penetration and so she got a what they, they called it a brown bag foul of something put the bag on her and it was like hey that's rude i nodded right off i'm like a bird that way they put that bag on my head and i was like well that's a wrap did you think you were dead for a half a second I was convinced that something horrible had happened due to where we were and what was happening around me. I thought, well, I didn't end up in the good place. You were not wrong. I was bummed out. You know, I thought it was going to be different than that. And you know what? They're working so hard and they're trying so much to really no end, uh, at least for me. Other people had a, 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 a time and they really enjoyed it. I thought, what is this? Everyone's just yelling nonsense and they really seem up with people it felt a little bit like i'd gone to like one of those camps where it's a cult and uh you know yeah i just it what you know what it wasn't for me no judgment and improv isn't for me and it's really scary and i don't like it well i think one of the things about you pat that shows a little bit of growth is that remember when rusty was on you were 10 seconds away from joining a cult just to have sex with people you have grown we had to have a little conversation you guys don't know this fan anymore you don't know this because uh uh this was a private conversation that pat and i had but she did almost join a cult uh, a couple times and which it's easier than people think because i will say the first episode of the vow and the i'm watching this one on jonestown right now it's like the first episode you think to yourself uh-oh I could accidentally join this cult. You know, Jim Jones sitting here talking about racial equality. And, you know, on the first uh, first episode, I'm like, God, was Jim Jones that bad of a guy? Can I unpack something maybe? Yeah. So, Pat, you have that attraction to the Kool-Aid man and then cults. Jonestown. Drink the Kool-Aid. Drink the Kool-Aid. That's where that came from. Oh, my God. Huh. Is the Kool-Aid laced with something that's going to, like, give you, like, some great sexual prowess? No, in the, in Jonestown, it was laced with uh, some sort of uh, po- poison. It was Why like, do they call it lace? Like, lace is nice. Lace is so pretty. I guess that's how they get you. you well, you're like, well, lace would never hurt me. It's so delicate. Lacey would. She'll put the hurt right on you. Yes, yeah, she would. I miss Cagney and Lacey. You know, I was on the phone with my mother the other day. This is a true story. I was on the phone with my mother the other day, and she uh, 
So far, none of it sounds absurdly made up. No way. I can believe you were on the phone with your mother. I talked to my mom. This is no joke. I talked to my mom probably three, four times a day. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, she's, she's the best. She's very funny. She's a very odd lady, and I love her so much. Um, but the other day, she was 100% convinced that Lawrence Fishburne was Tyne Daly's son. Can you prove it's not true? I looked it up. The internet proved it. I was like, Ma, no, you're wrong. This is not right. Why in the world did you think that Lawrence Fishburne and Tyne Daly were mother and son? And she said, you know what? I don't know, but I've thought it for years. You know, that's a perfect time to bring in the teachings of Byron Katie. Is this true? Can I be absolutely certain that this is true? Did he play his son maybe in something? Absolutely not. Did your mother recently watch The Blind Side? Maybe. Because isn't that about a woman, a white woman who kidnaps a black man and makes him do sports? Kind of. So, yeah, if I may, uh, you're close. It's a true story. The guy, his name is Michael. Um, I said it like Sandra Bullock says it in that movie. Michael. Michael. You know, so it's based on a real NFL player. I believe he played for the Baltimore Ravens. So, but in that movie, it's like, yeah, he was uh, he was a good football player or whatever. They they helped him be better at it because they wanted him to go to school and they were whatever. That's and true. Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw, get your hair situation figured out. Number one. Number. Why am I being so mean? I can't even. I can't even be that mean about it. Money. Yeah, it doesn't work in improv. I tell you that. What doesn't? Being mean right out of the gate if you're doing improv at a restaurant table. Yeah, it doesn't work so good. Now, uh, let's say, can, can I ask a question, Maury? You walk up, you say something like this. If it's going well, what happens after you say, hey, you big dumb idiot? What's the next thing that happens when it goes okay? When it goes great, uh, we, we make friends. They invite us to sit down and we pretend to fight for the check and we lose. Very smart. That's a very smart strategy. Way to get people to pay for your meals. Can I ask a question, a sports question? Because I don't know sports. Always. You said the Baltimore Ravens. So when, when it's a sports team and they're called the Ravens, do you call a group of them a conspiracy of Ravens? Or is it still a team? That's a really great question. And I don't, I don't know that that's a sports question. I think that's more of a, an English language question. And I will say that the mascot, when the Ravens were first uh, kidnapped and became their own NFL team because Aunt Modell is the devil, he packed him up, moved him in the middle of the night, you know, whatever. But, um, but when that happened, when they first became a team, they had three mascots, Edgar, Allen, and Poe. Okay, and they were, they were Ravens, right? Because uh, Edgar Allen Poe is from Baltimore, and so, you know, whatever. But the, uh, Edgar and Allen were not as popular so they ditched him, and I think Poe is the only um, mascot now, if I'm not mistaken. Now I have not checked up on this, so I don't know. So we never saw the eat others nevermore? That's right. And all you heard in the dark was the beating of their hideous hearts. Whoa. If I, I, I picked up an accent. You, you doing some accent work? Are you listening to those dialect tapes I sent you? I am. She, I love them. I love doing the dialects. She does pirate great. Ask her to say anything as a pirate and she can do it. Okay, will you please say anything as a pirate? Arr, anything. Oh my God, it's like I'm there. It's, it's, like, very, it's very 
like guttural. Uh, all pirates have that same guttural sound because none of them got enough limes. Give us something a little racy. It's fun. Okay. Okay. Uh, Stop it, you. Wait, Pat. Can you do a? Can you do a, a pirate one? What do you What do you want me to try? A pirate accent. Do a Do a pirate accent. Arg! My me. Me produce drawer has gotten out of hand, out of hand. My produce arc, my produce drawer has gotten out of hand. I don't uh, know if I love the accent more or the content, but that was amazing. It's on my mind because I had a, a cucumber in there that turned a turned a liquid. I really, I need. You know, they say you need to put a make a, a basket in your refrigerator that's like eat this immediately. You know, and it's for all the good stuff. I need to do that anyway. I think I don't. It's hard for me to do pirate because when I think of pirates, I think of the Irish for no good reason, and it usually slips into that. I think that your produce store is maybe a juicer. It's just perspective. Wow, you know what you're doing? Reframing. My therapist tells me to do that all the time. Reframe. It's such a good way to look at it from a different angle. Yeah. Take off one pair of glasses, put on a new pair. Maybe it's a, a distance glasses or a close-up glasses, and uh, and you can look at it differently. That was like when we were at Atlantis, because you know we all went to the Atlantis together yeah. in the Bahamas. I that is wild. It looks like um like a cake topper come to life. That whole thing. That whole place i remember going down that that crazy slide that goes into the shark tank it's like a habit trail for sharks yeah well humans but through sharks oh the sharks get to watch it right yeah 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 it's like like teasing the sharks and look at this fresh meat that you can't have yeah i the thing about atlantis is i understand that it exists and that you know it's a it's a thing that people do and that we did but at the end of it, did you guys also walk it away? Did you guys also walk away from it being like, how did we spend thirty thousand uh, dollars here? Yeah, it was a real. That whole place was a real shocker to me in a lot of ways. I mean, I had been looking forward to it for such a long time, and we'd been planning that for probably two years. You know, we read up on everything, and we thought, oh yeah, this is the place for us. It's going to be a dream. But what I didn't like, what kind of ruined the whole thing for me, was getting from the airport to that little island. Like you're passing through, here's the real world, and now you're going to go and you're going to try and have a good time knowing that uh, the rest of the island is not having such a good time. And now you're going through this crazy Disneyland and nothing is real, and you're paying a pretty penny for it. Also something that, you know... I know I talked about this, I'm, sh- I'm sure, when we were there because it was, you know, in the winter months. There is something that utterly creeps me out to the maximum that happened when we were there, which is Santa Claus, but dressed for summer. You know, they have a, 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 beach, a beach Santa and he's wearing board shorts, but he's still got the beard and the hat, but he's wearing sunglasses and board shorts and no shirt. Uh-uh, I'm sorry. No. Get this beach Santa away from me. It's not right. I understand what you're saying, but let me ask you, would it be more Christmassy for Santa to have heat stroke and pass out? You know, yes. He's still true to character. When you go, he's still he's still true to character. Now, I know personally that if I wore a costume 
and I was known for wearing that costume, I certainly wouldn't dumb it down just because of the temperature. If I, if everybody's like, oh, here she is, she, you know, she's dressed up like, uh, what would I wear? A 19, you know what she looks like? Athletic Danny Zuko. She's dressed like athletic Danny Zuko. That's a vibe I'm going for. I see it. Oh, yeah. You know, I, to me, that's the most attractive Danny Zuko in the whole thing. It was athletic Danny Zuko. It was a good era for shorts. But I'm talking about at the end when he gets his Letterman sweater. He's wearing black jeans, black t-shirt, red and white Rydell High Letterman sweater. Like, if people expect me to look like that, and then it's on a hot day, and what, I'm not going to... Here's a better one. Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman... Always dressed to the nine. He's wearing a light gray suit, a white button down, and a red bow tie. If Pee Wee Herman showed up not wearing those clothes, you'd be like, I was cheated out of this experience. If I saw you in shorts, Megs, I would think that you were being, um, you know how, uh, what, is it, what kind of bug is it? They can uh, ants and they, they zombie brain other, other insects. I would think that something had crawled into your brainstem and was controlling you for some reason to put on shorts. You know me. Aren't you uncomfortable when it's hot? I don't like to show my knees. I don't know what to say. I got weird knees. You know, this is a body positive podcast. You go, hey, if you were listening to this and you thought, I have weird knees and I I don't deserve to wear shorts, that's not true. You deserve to wear shorts. I can't tell myself that, but I can certainly tell you that. Pat, you're right. I I don't, something would have, there would have been some sort of mind control going on if I'm wearing shorts. I think you deserve to wear shorts. Can I tell you? Thank you. I agree. I think everyone deserves to wear shorts. Yeah. Maybe I'm coming down too hot on hot Santa Claus. You think? I'd see your point. It's it's playing with a tradition and, a, and an image you have in your head. But also, maybe the other side of this is it's trying to be relatable to a different culture and make sense in their in their frame of reference. Yeah. yeah, we're in their culture now. You know, maybe when it's so hot like that, their Santa Claus does wear shorts and no shirt and has citrus yeah, bags of oranges. I don't know. It's very hard to see people in a new light sometimes. When somebody gives you, here's, here's my game. This is it. This is all the time. I'm always this way, always this way, always this way. And then, bam, there's something else. You gotta, You need time to recover. You need to be able to go, whoa, I'm blown over. I can't look at you. This is too different. I don't know who you are. I'm, I'm completely displaced. And I'm having, is it like dysphagia, dysmorphia? I'm having all kind of disses happening in my head. What she's talking about is when I tried to wear a bolo tie. It was very upsetting. It's very, it's not a tie. It's a piece of string around your neck. I thought you would try to kill yourself. It's comfortable. Is it? Oh, is it that comfortable? It's still dressy and it's comfortable. You know what this reminds me of? How we ended up having to each stay in your rooms and you switched the whole of the trip. That's right. Just like on the plane. This is very reminiscent. Now, I want to say this. I don't want you to misconstrue. I had a wonderful trip. I had a wonderful vacation. I'm blessed that we met and that I know you both. But we did spend the trip. I thought I would be sharing a room with Mags. And I ended up not doing that. And that's fine, you know, um, but because it, it helped you guys out. But um, this is just reminding me a bit, a little PTSD of, of that trip a bit. Sorry for that. Yeah, I really had fun bunking with you, Pat. 
I thought it was such a blast. I le- it felt like a sleepover party, and we just kept mixing up the couples. Yeah, I loved rubbing your lotions on. I some of your lotions I'd never heard of, especially the medicinal ones that I used on your joints. I didn't know that, so I learned a lot. I like to put uh, asper cream everywhere. It just numbs everything. She travels with a whole bag that is specifically lotions. Yes. My lotions bag, which is hard to do these days. You know, you got you got to put that in your, in your. You can't do that in your carry on. And you know, Mari, our room, Mari and I referred to our room as the bachelor pad. You know, because we were having we were having so much fun. We were in 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 the bachelor pad room. It was like, hey, should we get some fries? Yes, let's do it. We just it was a party. We were having so much fun. Not as many creams and lotions as your room, but we were having a good time in there. And I want to say it speaks to the level of trust in your marriage that the two of you could, upon just meeting people on a plane, swap rooms. I think we demanded it, didn't we? You did. Yeah, you um, you just took the keys at the desk. And I will say it was a different experience because in your room, you're eating fries. And in our room, again, this is not a criticism. Fanny kept asking me if the water tasted funny. And at a certain point, I just gave in and said, you bet. And then we spent a lot of time boiling water in the kettle. So different experiences. Again, I had a marvelous trip and I wouldn't change any part of it. It tasted like lotion. Like I felt like everything tasted like lotion. Do you remember, Pat, when we were standing out on the balcony pointing at everyone? and telling telling each other what was wrong with them. Oh, God, that was fun. Yeah, I'm glad you led us on that because I wouldn't have thought to do that at all. I, I'm not confrontational in that way, especially with strangers who are doing nothing wrong and trying to enjoy the trip. So Now, in the bachelor pad room, Maury and I had a beach ball. We were throwing it down to people from our balcony. It was We were tapping that thing around. We had people sign it. Maury, you still got that beach ball? I have it somewhere. I did deflate it. Yeah, yeah. Ricky does everything. Okay. She got me. That was a little a little ribbing, a gentle ribbing. Gentle rib. Why be married to someone if you're not going to razz their ass raw? You know, I always said, said that. I, I forgot that phrase, but that's what you do say. You said it in the room a lot. But we, I- said, we said a lot in our room, good night, and it wasn't dark yet. <sighs> when she's got the lotions on, she's done. Now that I think about it, probably a large chunk of that $30,000 was like us getting room service and getting the mini bar restocked. I was hoping you wouldn't think of that. Ours, ours was calling the physician, the Atlantis physician. His name is George, and he has two kids. We learned a lot about him, and he's very knowledgeable, and, and we were fine, it turns out. Yeah, but we didn't know for sure, and there was a lot of worry until we found out. It was, I always need a second, a third, a fourth opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure George appreciates being useful. You know what else I didn't like about our room? Those funhouse mirrors. What was with those mirrors? I do not look that lumpy and then skinny and round. Very distressing. I'm glad we got rid of them. I'm glad we pulled, I pulled them off the wall for you and moved them. I'm glad that we did that. And why was all the lighting so yellow? After we took out the bulbs, it sure wasn't anymore. The room, we left it better than we found it. That's for dang sure. That's probably why I kept saying goodnight. It was so dark in there. Fanny has, uh, of all the people I've ever met, she has the best eye for finding a flawed mirror. Which is hilarious because you do have a lack of vision. Yeah, 
I don't know. It's like a, it's like some special eye. Like I can't see what's actually there, but I can see what's missing. Well, you know, you know what we all have in common, all of us. We are all we all have nieces and nephews and to find people on a trip that we really can understand and have the same kind of values and priorities as you all really is what kind of cemented, I think, the relationship, because we could have just had a vacation where, you know, some of us, we separated and did different things. But um, for the for the relationship to really live on after that trip, I think it's because we have so much in common as aunts and uncles and such and whatnot. Yeah, that's why it was so nice to that we had every afternoon the postcard time where we write postcards to our nieces yeah. and nephews. Yeah, it was nice. We got a lot. We got a lot of nieces and nephews. Small, uh, small family otherwise. Like, it's very strange, you know, not a lot of, you know, I got one brother, he's got one sister. But each of them had like a dozen kids apiece. It's crazy. Yeah, your brother has one sister who's not related to you. That's right. Yeah, we're not even blood kin. A thing that happened in the bachelor pad, which was so much fun during postcard time, we got we would go to the gift shop, okay, and we would the two of us would be like, okay, here's a challenge: you got to find the funniest postcard. So we would go we go through the gift shop, and it's like, which one's the funniest? And Mari found one that said, "The weather is here. Wish you were beautiful." <laughs> oh come on. Fanny found postcards from a defunct orphanage in Bahamas, and we sent those. It's the, it was for the little orphan children to write home, but then they realized these kids got no home to write to. That's why they were in the first place. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Pat, looking back on it now, I wish you had said, why don't we do like a round robin, you know? It's just so we could have... Worked together. Yeah, yeah. We were like... Maybe, Pat, you didn't have such a good time with me. Oh, no, I had. I. That's the kind of trip, you know, sometimes you have trips where you really, you know, you overdo it and you overindulge and you come back and you think, I need a vacation from this vacation. And by the time I got back, I thought, I'm just glad to be still on this earth. It really was a trip that made me grateful for what I did have. And that's invaluable. Um, I'm so glad I could do that for you. I felt my hands again about three days later because the Asper cream had really sunk into my hands and I, I didn't feel them the whole trip. And I thought, well, that's that that ship has sailed feeling in my hands. But then then I did get it back and I thought, oh, my God, it was the highest high. Is that it, why you kept dropping your carry on bag? Yes, I had no feeling in my hands, but I didn't want to make a big fuss. I thought you were making it. I thought you were trying to get attention by continually dropping your bag. I wish. I will say that is that is uh, that's the one time I'm going to tell you that you are mistaken, Mari, because she does not like when she's not feeling well. She does not like to be the center of attention. She'll she'll walk into you know. We, one time I took her to the urgent care because she was very sick. She had a stomach bug. And I, I took a, which, you know, I definitely got a stomach bug. But so, but I took a, but she walked in there and she said, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just, she just wanted people to know, you know, I'm okay. Now she was holding a bucket, vomiting into it. But point is, she's trying not to, she's, def- she wants to deflect that energy. She doesn't want, so when she was dropping the bags, I was like, uh oh, you know, what's going on? But we, remember that day we went to, uh, we went to Marshall's the day they, your hands came back, and boy, did we dance down the aisles. I touched so many things in that Marshall's. 
I just was all the, you could really feel the fabrics and the textures at a Marshall's if you haven't felt your hands in about eight to nine days. I was touching all the faux leather. I was like, you would never know the difference. It really, I would recommend this for anyone who's listening to this, who has off and on numbness in any part of their body, go to a Marshall's, treat yourself when it's back on, because it really gives you, again, a greater understanding and a greater, what's the word again I used? Gratefulness for um, Marshall's. And the security's okay with that. Oh yeah, that that security's all show. I mean, you'd have to take a poop in the sock bins to really activate that. Did you learn that first person? I saw someone taking a poop in there. They weren't doing great. I could tell it was right around the holidays and you know how you're stressed. And it was probably the 23rd, you know, when people are in there like madness. And I saw a gentleman and I could tell he was holding a bunch of things and he kept looking down and picking up other things. He was in a great deal of distress. And then he had this look on his face all of a sudden. And then he sat in, you know, those bins that are all full of tube socks, like look at all these tube socks. And then he sat his bum in there and I could see his face. And then we found out later that he had, because Security came. He had pooped in there, but he was not well. We also can get. We got a lot of. We can get away with a lot of things at a Marshalls because of Aunt Kath. You know, she's a regional manager over there, so we we know the right people because of the Marshalls meetup. Because of you know our love of Marshalls and how often we go, we could probably get away with a little bit more than a general customer would. Um, but yeah, I remember. You remember, Pat? Do you remember that great story that you said about? Yo. Well, we were telling, we were telling, I believe Aunt Kath, that you might be looking for baskets, but you're in tube socks. And she was, she said she was in tube socks and she was looking for baskets. And we said, you know, help yourself. Put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Notice that you're in tube socks. And I know that this doesn't make sense to you guys right now, but it was a perfect working metaphor when she said it before. I love a puzzle. I love a word puzzle. Can I ask you about, since you're a Marshalls expert, if you did have to poop in a Marshalls, not in the bathroom, wouldn't it be better to poop in dress socks? More browns and blacks? Oh, that's a really good point. Now, my instinct is take a purse. Oh. That's right. Shit in your handbag. That's right. It's portable. It's like a, they sell those pit helmets, you know, for ladies. So when you're... You're out uh, out hiking or whatever. You have a place to pee. But you don't need that. Just to, everyone knows, you know, your pocketbook is very useful. It's it's multi-purpose because it's you can carry around uh, an entire medicine chest in there or in a pinch, you can poop in it, right? I'll take a Michael Kors purse and I will go. If, if God forbid I had to go, I'm grabbing Michael Kors first. I like his products. Yeah. If you poop yes. in a handbag, it becomes a butt bag. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. Yeah. Do you ever use this? Now, I, I'm going to segue here, and it's going to seem clunky, but Maury, do you ever use uh, these fun anecdotes? Because what you just said sounded a lot like an uncle to me. And uh, take us to your nieces and your nephews. Take us take us there. And do you, do you find yourself saying things, does that make it a butt bag to these children? I'm not sure I know what you're asking. Are you asking if I if I try to get a little poo-poo, poo-poo with the, the nieces and nephews to, to endear myself? Or do you use this type of humor that I would call somewhat humor on them? 
dad humor, basically, without being a dad. It's uncle humor. That's funkle material, which is why she's asking, because you don't strike us as a funkle. But when you said the butt bag thing, it was a little, it was like 25% funkle. So I'll give you an example of one of the one of the funkle jokes that he's made. So uh, some of our some of our relations live uh, on the East Coast, where uh, the grocery stores pantry pride, right? And this one this one here says to Donnie, "Are you going to the panty pride?" Well, Donnie looks at him like, "Do you you're not speaking right? What's wrong with you?" Bonnie chi- chimes in and says, he's, he's making a joke, Donnie. He's, he's making a play on words from the pantry pride to the panty pride. It's a joke. I learned that from you. You always tell me where you used to work, and you always have a name for it that's a, a riff. Like I like you used to, to riff. Work that's at the right. I do like to riff. Star pukes. Yeah, the star pukes. Huh? Huh? Blue cross, blue shit. That's right. A lot of mine is is related to bodily functions. You know, the sounds, the smells, and the things that come out of your body. It's just great fodder for, for the nieces and nephews. But I don't think I, I, I think my, my humor is dumb. I don't dumb it down for nieces and nephews. That's right. He is at the top of his intelligence here. Okay, then that then that's different than Funkle jokes, right? Because if that's hey, if that's the bar, and that's what you got, you're not you're not lowering it. Okay, all right. I'm not Noel Coward. Never claimed to be. Would you say you're not a coward? I'm not Noel Coward. I am a coward. He is. He'll run from anything. There was one time we were shopping at the Pantry Pride. And one of the carts got loose. He ran screaming in the middle of the parking lot. He thought the cart was chasing him. <gasps> I was reading Stephen King at the time and stuff like that happens. Uh, Christine. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm sorry. If that man could make a 1957 Chevy Bel Air possessed. Wait, was Christine? Christine was a 57 Chevy, wasn't it? I don't know. I just know it was a car. I was um, reading the one where the trucks attacked. Transformers? No, it was a Stephen King. It got made into maybe his worst movie. The Langoliers? Uh, Dolores Claiborne. Worse. Oh, 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 Thinner? Worse. The Lawnmower Man? Maybe. The Dead Zone. Oh, I like that movie, I think. Graveyard? She's making up titles. She's never no, read a Stephen what? King. Book. Cemetery. Graveyard. Corpse Romp? <laughs> that sounds like if Stephen King wrote a, a teen beach movie. What's the one? He did the one where the woman loves the guy's books, right? And then yeah, yeah. She hobbles him. Kathy Bates. Baker Bates. Kathy, Kathy Bates. Bates. Baker. Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. And she hobbles him. Yeah. He's in a car accident. She drags him into her house, ties him to the bed. Praises him, but he's like, why the fuck am I tied to the bed? Oops, I said the F word. He says, why am I tied to this bed? And she says, because I love you. How do you like that for love? Is that corpse romp? Yeah, that sounds like corpse romp to me because the corpse romp, yeah. Yeah, the one, and also the one where the clown is uh, in the sewer. And there's um, the one about where the guy didn't do it and he crawled through the, the 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 shit pipes to get out, and it was a picture of uh, what was it Greta Gabo? 
I didn't I didn't see that one and I didn't see Ratatouille, but for some reason I thought that sounds like Ratatouille. Oh like Crookshanks? Crookshanks is the cat the cat from Harry Potter? Crookshanks Redemption? Yeah. Yeah, it's Crookshanks Redemption. Yep, yep, yep. That's a Stephen King a lot of people don't know this. That's actually a Stephen King story. It was a, a short story that was turned into a full length uh musical cats was that stephen king yeah that was like um wasn't that like a sequel to the pet cemetery one where the cats had died and then they came back and all of a sudden they were insufferable i think so it was the most terrifying thing i've ever seen maximum overdrive yes now that i think about it is there some sort of crossover with andrew lloyd webber and stephen king because andrew lloyd webber and stephen king Obviously, there was some sort of, they were on the same wavelength there. I see the connection when I think of Alfred J. Prufrock, right? He's so easily a character in Stephen King, right? This this guy who, like, wears white linen on the beach. That's, a, that's straight out of a Stephen King novel. Remind me again what that character's from. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, a poem, uh... I wondered from yeah it's a poem the the song of Alfred J. Prufock yeah I don't think that's an Andrew Lloyd Webber poem maybe it's T.S. Eliot am I getting those two confused wasn't that more cats yeah didn't I don't know did you say mo cats because that's actually her uncle's name mo cats mo cats yes he has a deli is it yeah k-a-t-z yes but there was already a cat's deli, so his deli's name is Moe's. And he got in a lot of trouble as a kid because he had a cat, right? His mother let him have a cat. He wanted several. And his mom said, no mo cats. Yeah, uh-oh. I think what we're seeing here a little bit is how you approach... Uh, both of you, I think what I'm taking away is you, both of you are not trying to be necessarily a specific kind of, you know, a funkle or a font or whatever. This is just who you are, you know, no mocates and, um, you know, poop bag, a butt bag. You know, this is what I'm taking from you is maybe your advice is if you're an anarchal, don't change a lick. Do not change a hair on your head. Be who you are. You don't need to. There's no need to change. Just be who you are. You know, it's it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, it just reminded me because I thought you were going to go to a different place with this. I thought you were uh, uh, going to talk about our uh, our entertaining at the restaurants because another thing we were going to do is we were going to take that entertainment to the uh, the voting lines to the polls and uh, and offer up entertainment at the polls. We've been actively oh. asked not to. Yeah, it's um, too important. And what was really great is that both Democrats and Republicans don't want us. It was a bipartisan effort. It was. We feel like we really helped bring the parties together and helped save America, frankly, by offering our services and being refused by both sides. Now, that is a way that you reached across the aisle. We gave them each something to dislike. You know, what is that saying? The enemy of my enemy is my friend? That's right. Everyone needs a scapegoat. You're welcome, America. Does that make improv my friend? I guess so. And that's why we weren't there at the polls a month ago. Yeah, I think that's great. Because, you know, you, they, they said you could volunteer to be a, a poll worker. 
But uh, you guys wanted to do your own thing, and I respect that. I think it would have been a nightmare scenario for the people who were there, and it would have been an act of voter suppression, you know, in its own way, which isn't to say as much about the quality of your skits as it is to just people's kind of reception to improv in general. I think you could have really been kind of patriotic in, in doing this uh, away from the polls, and hopefully to funnel people to the polls, you know. Like a ranch dog. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, like those cattle dogs that have two different color eyes. What was hurtful was that they they made us tighten our COVID masks until we couldn't speak. That's just good poll watching. Yeah. I mean, there. yeah, we were safe. I just wanted, I just thought of something. I know this is something we talked about a long time back, uh, you know, earlier in this episode, but in what other ways did you think Mary Poppins was a documentary? I just was, uh, I was so, Dick Van Dyke's accent was so accurate to me that I felt like that's got to be, that's what England is like. And I had never been at that point to England. So, And also, to be fair, he thinks that, People break into song and dance all the time. We do. Because we do at home. It's a regular thing. You know, you can't just make a pot of coffee. You got to sing about it. Show me that. Ugh, I hate that phrase. Again, PTSD. When did it get attached to PTSD for you? In that class that we took with the group on, people kept saying, show me that. And I would turn around real quick like, what? What? I don't remember what I said five seconds ago. Show you what? I'll show you confusion if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, it feels very aggressive. Show me that. Aggro. Yes, aggro. Well, I, 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 do you ever um, do your skits at your nieces and nephews? Has that ever happened? Because I would be terrified because I'll tell you what, my nieces and nephews would probably, um, whatever you do to harm a performer, throw throw uh, throw rotten things or... Um, Etc. I would be much too afraid. But have you ever done that? Well, you know, we like to, uh, when we go visit them, we like to uh, create a scenario where we teach them and then we side coach them. And the side coaching is so much fun because we know how to do it right. And, you know, they're always making mistakes all over the place. So we get to say, freeze, no. That's not the right way. You got to do it this way. Say this thing like we'll provide better dialogue, funnier jokes, funnier things to say, uh, you know, because sometimes their instincts are just wrong. They're just they're taking the 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 bit, the skit in in a place that doesn't want to go. Nobody wants to see, you know, especially when they were pre pre-communication. When they were babies, we used to dub them all the time. And they were much, much brighter then, it was, to be fair. It felt more fun for us. Yeah. A lot more flexibility. Now, I think uh, something you said there, which was you said the phrase side coaching, which I remember hearing. But also, you know, and you, you talked earlier about you want to win at improv. This, to me, is how you win. You get a coach because coaches help you win, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, and we've done that for people on the street, too. So sometimes we're not just performing for you, to you, at you, near you, beside you. We're also taking a look at the scene because, you know, we're very creative people. And we we don't just see people existing in the world. We see it as a performance that needs our coaching. And so we'll offer when we see two people 
talking on the street, whatever they're doing, we'll pause them, maybe give them a new emotion, freeze the action, have them say something else, provide some new dialogue. To, to be honest, though, now that I'm hearing it, this is kind of what you did for us on the plane. You yeah. froze us, you coached us, you offered us a better way. Yeah, that's true. Now, I remember, uh, you know, in our, in our class, um, people just kept yelling out, uh, dildo. Now, I agree with you when you when you scream that at people. And what's your response? What, what do you find in that? The, how are they reacting to that when you just walk down the street and you say and, and you'll say freeze dildo? What do they do? They look first. The first thing they do is look around for the dildo. Unless they know they're the dildo. And usually that's that's a man in a suit. Yeah, a business a, on an airplane. It's always a white businessman where I'm like, yeah. well, you're the dildo. For sure. A yeah. dildo knows they're a dildo. I, I got to say, I wish I had been in your improv class instead of the one I was in because, you know, I, I feel like uh, the general tenor was anyone can do improv, it's fun. And then kind of the subtext was, except you, Pat, you're ruining it. And I just feel like uh, I would have benefited from being uh, in, in with you with you two uh, on the street uh, giving me side coaching uh, instead of instead of just an eye roll and, you know, the guy who was teaching this class was also eating a hoagie. Let's not forget who he was friends with. Oh, yeah. He was friends with Ron and. Um, oh, your ex. Yeah. Yeah. He was friends with Ron. They were good friends going nowhere, but uh, neither here nor there. Um, at any rate, I, I just wanted to say, you know, I, I think uh, uh, though though you can seem confrontational and um, it can seem a little pointed and mean the way that you're doing this, at least maybe people are getting something and taking uh, something with them away. I just took away that I don't know how to pr- uh, do a believable mop. That First of all, I was there and I bought it. I bought it. And she you guys, she didn't even, oh my God, not one second of hesitation, all right? She makes her arms go straight to the sides and she just leaned against the wall. And it was so good. And when that son of a bitch tried to give her feedback and try to insult her, I said, you know what, buddy? Let me tell you something about yourself. You're a piece of shit and you don't have taste in friends. And I see that you're wearing a flannel shirt, but that doesn't mean you know how to improvise. And you are going to end up broke and homeless. And, you know, it's, if you, by the way, if you're listening to this and you're houseless, we love you. We respect you. But if, you're, if your name is Kevin and you happen to teach the improv class that we paid with a Groupon for, you're a son of a bitch and you do not deserve to find love. It turns out that I was supposed to be mopping, um, not a mop. But that's. But I thought the whole point was, you know, uh, uh, thank you, mopping, and I was a mop. Don't tell us that a suggestion is a springboard if you're not allowed to interpret it however you want. I'll tell you, a, this is a true story. In, an, in one of my improv classes, we were uh, exploring the space, walking in a circle, and the teacher said, okay, now you're an animal. Pick an animal. Be your favorite animal. And my favorite animal, you remember, from Atlantis is the dolphin. So I I fell to the floor and started flopping around. He yelled at me. He stopped the exercise and said I was wrong. Yeah. And I thought, how do you know he's wrong? He didn't say dolphin out loud. You don't know what his favorite animal is. What? 
was there one choice? Be my favorite animal? That that wasn't the instruction. You want me to be a less convincing walking dolphin? No, thank you. What you know, believability. There's something to be said for believability. If you said to be your favorite animal, you were you were exploring the space. And oh. frankly, if I've made a choice and I'm doing something with no words, and the audience and the other players have no clue what I'm doing. Whose fault is it? It's their fault. It's a fault in perception. To me, a walking dolphin is Santa in shorts. Say no more. Say no more. I can't think of a better way to pause our beautiful conversation. I mean, that's what I believe they called a callback, if I'm remembering my time doing that correctly. And, uh, and man, it's just so nice to see both of you and to know that I don't have to sleep next to, uh, unless I really wanted to, Fanny, uh, tonight. Tonight, I am going to lather up with aspirin cream, and I'm going to have sweet dreams about you. That is so sweet, and I will try to do the same. You know, from time to time, you know, Marvy and I will text each other, and we'll just be like, we'll just say, don't you miss it? Yeah. Don't you? We had the time of our lives in there. And sometimes, you know, we'll just be like, we'll text each other an inside joke or, or something, you know, or he'll send me a picture of the beach ball or, you know, he'll be like, hey, what do you think Bernard's doing? Bernard was our room steward. Oh, my God. You know, we had such a blast. And I just I hope someday we get to do that all over again. In a suite. Well, all, all four of us. A villa. Let's do it. Let's rent a villa. Yeah. Well, the thing is, we got a we got a trip to uh, Myrtle Beach in the works as soon as this is over. So and we're talking about renting a bus. It's going to be probably us and Toots. Probably Patty's going to be there. Well, you know, we, anybody's welcome. We're gonna, this way we don't have to drive. You know, we, we want to have a good time. We don't want to drive. We need to rent a bus, charter a bus, get down there. You know, get to, we we, we got to get down to Broadway at the beach. We got to get down to Alabama Theater, Legends in Concert. All of the things we love about Myrtle Beach, we, we cannot wait to do. No, I've never been to Myrtle Beach, and there would be no better way to go than on a busload of aunts and uncles. I'm sure you've already checked into the Groupon potential. Oh, yeah. Myrtle Beach is one of the only places still honoring Groupons. Nice. Right now, today. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a mess, but it's so fun. Is Groupon not a thing anymore? Oh, sorry, Maury. I think, they, I think they just paused because everyone was upset. I always try to bluff in restaurants that I have a Groupon. Don't they make you present it anymore? Sometimes they forget. They're like, okay, okay, I'll take the 50% off. They don't ask for it. That's a good trick. Also, if you probably want to get out of there without paying, just start doing improv. Yeah. They'll kick you right out. They will. It's different than dine and dash. It's dine, perform, and get kicked out. Yeah. Getting asked to leave the premises is not dine and dash. And I say thank you very much. It's like dinner and ruiner. That doesn't rhyme, does it? But I meant ruining the dining experience. Undermining the dining Oh, undermining dining. Undermining dining. Which leads us to The Shining, which is also Stephen King, isn't it? Sure is. It sure is. Oh, wow. You guys, I think that's a perfect place to stop, even though you gave us the perfect place to stop a couple seconds ago. It's a perfect place to double clutch. And that brings us right back to driving. And there we are. There we are. I'm sure you have to double clutch. You're driving a... Hold on. Are you driving a manual? I do. I drive a manual. You know, here's why. 
I don't need to, but I like it if the car stalls and I got to pop the clutch because I am aces at popping the clutch. You know, it's whenever somebody says pop the clutch, it sounds like a sex move. Jazz hands, popping clutches. This, this is sex talk as far as I'm concerned. This is erotica. Ah, Kool-Aid. Yes, Kool-Aid also erotica. You know, I don't. we don't have catchphrases uh, on this podcast. We've got a couple things we say here and there. One of them I'm trying to get started for me is for me to say, is for me to say this is erotica. So catchy and so handy. That seems like it should almost be a hook in a song. <gasps> oh, God. What would that sound like? Show me that. This is erotica. This is erotica. Then she sings some stuff. This is erotica. Go ahead, take it. Yeah, this feels like improv. Well, you know what? I think I think this is a again a, a great segue to lead us into our mantra because this and you know every week we close with a mantra and they're written by a woman named Carol Doyle who I don't know if she had a cocktail when she wrote this one, but I I, I think she might have. And I boy, as soon as you hear this, you're going to be like, "That's me, that's me." All right. Well, boy, does she have a window inside my head. This week's mantra is uh, ant misbehaving, although if you do it right, you are. Ah. I like that. She's right in my wheelhouse. I'm going to check on her. Yeah, I'm going to check on her. You know, when I heard this, I was like, is she referencing ant misbehaving? Or is she legitimately asking ant misbehaving? And so I... This one's a thinker, and we love the ones that make us think because it's provocative, because you come away looking at something with a different perspective and wondering, you know, how does her brain work? Which we'll never know. We'll right, know. because it's, it's opposite of the way your brain works, which makes it an antonym. Oh, <gasps> Oh my God, I'm writing down antonym. How have we not come across that? Oh my God. Right, you got your antonym and you got your cinnamon because every ant needs to bake. This is one ant who needs a, a cure, so I'm going to give her the antidote. <gasps> oh no, you guys, I don't know if you can tell. I got goosebumps. I'm just writing these down. Expect to see these on merch at Poncho Villa. You're going to see a lot of this merch. I can't wait. I can't wait to buy this merch. Sure. It'll be great to wear it while we're entertaining people in line for the restaurant. We can also perform at the kiosk, by the way. Yeah, Poncho Villa, Fonta Fonts, or SoundCloud. And we got three kiosks. Or maybe the kiosk next to those. Sure. Cattle dog. Yeah. Adjacent kiosk. Yeah. I think that's a, a good way to go. Yeah, one or two, one or two over. That would probably be best. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, we've done so much. We've covered so much ground today. We mentioned the Langoliers earlier, which is that Stephen King, that horrible Stephen King story where they fall asleep on an airplane and then some of them wake up and some of them don't and they're gone and who knows what happened. And when they did a TV movie of it, a Balky, Bronson Pinchot was in it. But... The Langoliers takes place on an airplane, and that's an airplane, that's a sad story. But a happy story that took place on an airplane was the origin story of this friendship. And I love you guys. I love you with my whole entire heart. You, you, you're so special, and you're so good at being who exactly who you are in your relationship. Bring lotions. 
take the light bulbs out, throw a beach ball. And what you guys do is make, you make us better. You make us better as people. You make us better as humans. You make us better as fight intervention people. And we love that about you. So thank you so much. We would be nowhere without you. We would probably still be arguing on that airplane. So we really are grateful. We think of you as as the ants that kept our marriage together. And we thank you for that. And our roommates, our old roommates. Bachelor pad for life. Uh-huh. And the same for us. Um, well, I, I just want to say, uh, man, uh, we love you, Fanny. We love you, Maury. We love you, too. We love you. Take care of yourselves. Oh, my God. Love you, Fanny. Love you more. Love you, Pat. I love you so much. Love you, Megs. Yeah, it's great being antisocial with you. Antisocial. I'm sorry, I read it wrong. Antisocial. It's great being antisocial with you. Oh, God. I need a nap already. Are you all ready for an outro? Because I'm about to give you an outro, and if you're not ready for the outro, then I don't want to do the outro unless you're ready. You know what? Forget it. I'm going to do the outro anyway, because no matter what you want, I'm going to do it. Thank you for listening to Those Who Ants, a Baby Makers podcast starring Colleen Doyle as your Aunt Pat and Dana Curcioli as your Auntie Megs. If you liked this podcast, subscribe, rate, and review us. Aunt Fanny and Uncle Maury were played by the supremely game and perfectly wry Rebecca and Rich Stone. Rebecca has appeared on AP Bio, Teachers, and Shrink. You can follow her on Instagram at Zone. Rich is a writer and performer who teaches improv at the Pack Theater and online. And you can get more info on that at thepacktheater.com or follow Rich on Instagram at richzone. That's one word. Our theme song was performed by The Cues, and you can follow them at The Cues Music on Instagram. Follow Those Who Ant on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have any questions for the ants, email us at thosewhoant at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy. Wear a mask. And for God's sakes, just call your aunt.